Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. The 805 Conversations podcast is produced every other week. Please subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming shows. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman & Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and continued encouragement. And I want to thank our podcasting partner, Polstering Press, for this great studio. And this morning, I want to welcome Jeff Carmody to the show. Jeff, how are you? Excellent, Mark. Hey, Jeff, how long have we known each other? I want to say 20 years. It's got to be 20 it's years, going right? Going on that. Um, we've been at Agility for 17, if you can believe that. Really? Yeah. An Agility Capital based here in Santa Barbara, right. 17 years? 17 years. What do you do at Agility? Started I mean, you run it. Right. So I'm a managing partner. Um, the, we manage a fund. It's a pool of capital. Right. Uh, there's venture capital. There's private equity. There's debt financing. We do, we're on the debt financing side. So what we do is we manage that pool of capital and we, we make loans to growth companies. These companies are in various stages of growth. They may be in product launch. They may be getting to right. uh, be, between equity raises. These are, these are relatively short-term loans. So right. we're so talking short-term short terms, somewhere between six and 24 months. Yep. Banks like to finance you know, three to five year loans. We're in that shorter term. People call them bullet loans, bridge loans, whatever you want to call them. Um, this is to get companies between point A and point B. Right. Those two points might be between an equity raise, a series A, series B, series C equity raise. It may be an M&A transaction where the company's being acquired and they need a little bit more cash to get to the finish line and they don't want to have to take more equity before they get there. Right. Um, they may be looking at a more strategic partnership. There's a variety of reasons why companies might take down this short-term debt. It gets them over the hump and then they're off to the races. What brought you to that business? Well, uh, I was a seeker. <laughs> what does that uh, mean? Well, I was looking for something different. Um, what I, were you doing? I was an engineer with the Air Pollution Control District. I was permitting. Uh, yeah, I was permitting stationary sources of contaminants, and then I was actually running a group known as the Innovative Technologies Group that uh, demonstrated new and innovative air pollution control technologies. Seven, 18 years ago. And this is, we're talking 20 plus years ago. Yeah, exactly. And so it ended up. Is it up, what you went to school to study? So I was a geography major. What? Uh, UCSB. I love geography. Go, geography go department at UCSB, UCSB is world class. Far and away. At right. One of the best. Do you know yep. who, uh, do you know Professor Sylvester? I, He's the earthquake I, guy there. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is he geology? Ah, geology, yeah, geography. Sorry, geology. Sorry, yeah, right, right, right. Exactly. Right. I got my geos. No, I am. Um, I worked under Jeff Dozier, uh, ah. snow hydrologist, wow. for a couple of years um, as a as an undergrad. Um, graduated, went off to the Bay Area. Had to get out of Dodge. Had to get out of Santa Barbara, the bubble, and went up to the Bay Area. Worked for Chevron of all things, and doing some no geo kidding. geophysics work, and yeah. then realized that this was truly paradise. And so scratch and clawed my way back and landed on this opportunity to work at the AP, APCD, Air Pollution right, Control District. Right. And uh, did that for about eight years, nine years. And um, I saw this thing called the internet huh. and went, wow, that's right. pretty cool stuff. Right. Right. A very good friend of mine had started a company. On, he, had, he had worked for a bank, a very tech-focused bank, Silicon Valley Bank. 
and he worked for them for right out of college. So he had cut his teeth in the valley, understanding what it means to lend to growth companies. And he got tired of being kind of uh, turned down by his credit committee on deals that he knew were great deals. Uh. So he went out and raised this fund, and he called it Sand Hill Capital. Well, Sand Hill <laughs> Road just so happened to stumble upon a name. Huh. Um, they had exceptional success in their first fund. Uh, second and third funds were doing great, and then we had this thing called the Tech Rack. So I... 99. <laughs> 2000, exactly. Yeah. So um, I started with Sandhill Capital, left the APCD, worked for a kind of a combination between Montecito Up Bank north. and Trust. Yeah, well, I was here. You were, in, you, were in you the outpost of I was Sand the outpost. Hill. I was doing Got Southern it. California stuff, so I was covering kind of San Luis Obispo down to San Diego. And so I ended up uh, working for them for a couple of years, and we came up with the idea of let's get a sister fund. Let's start this small little gem of an opportunity. And right. we started Agility in what was it, June of 2000. I think March of 2000 was the peak of the NASDAQ at the time. Right. And um, I th we thought that it was just a little dip as it started to fade away um, when, in fact, the bottom fell out of the market. Yeah. Um, this group, Sandhill Capital, made a number of loans to a number of very large companies, and it ended up that these companies failed. Uh, we were lucky enough to be not in those deals, and we ended up surviving. So huh. here's this, uh, we, we thought we were the, the, little, uh, the little baby sister or right. what have you right. of this fund, right. and the right. next thing you know, we're, we're the ones who survived. So we've been doing it since 2000, um, have, had, have lived through a number of ups and downs, 2000, 2001, 2003, and then 2008, 9, and, you know, through the recovery. Take me back to, um, I mean, the person who's listening to the show, you know, they might be in a job that they love and they're fine, or they might be one where, like, I'm looking around. I think about transitions all the time, mm -hmm. and I'm always looking at opportunities, right? We, right. we do that. Entrepreneurs, it's, it's unfortunate. It's That's how we are. Right. Um, so you're at the um, APCD and this opportunity came up. There's risk in that. How did you, what was that conversation in your head like? Were you married at the time? I was or? with little kids. Yeah. Uh, that was the challenge because when you're working for the, the county or a government agency, what hey, I- check. What Steady. I called it, Mark, it was the fur-lined rut. So uh, it's so comfortable, but yeah. yet you're going yeah. nowhere. And so uh, I had this conversation with my then friend, now partner, and he draw, drew the Venn diagram of here's this opportunity for you to participate. So I'm, I'm drawing that right now so I can stay with you. So I've got exactly. opportunity on one well, side. Well, no, he, he, drew the, he drew Sandhill Capital on one side. Yep. On the other side... Montecito Bank and Trust, because they were a partner, oh. they were an investor in Sandhill Capital. Okay. And so there was this intersection between the two where that he pointed to it and said, that's where you fit. Oh. So you can be this kind of combo employee. We ended up uh, launching in 97, end of 97. Uh, I ended up bringing in deposit clients for the bank many of them in the local area at the time, whether it be Agility Communications or Expert City or Occam Networks back in the day, these were great clients for the bank. Um, didn't do so well with, with with Sandhill Capital in terms of making loans, w right. which is the, right. the focus for them. Right. But um, ended up 
as I looked at other options, and again, this is the transition from that position to agility, I was looking at many other things. At the time, it was, oh, do I want to become a business development officer for some other company? Um, because I kind of saw the writing on the wall. This is 2000, time to really launch. And um, the folks at Montecito Bank came back and said, wait a minute, don't leave. We'd love to help you in whatever it is that you want to do. And that was to raise... Because you had a great capital. relationship had with them, right? Yeah, exactly. We talk about relationships a lot on the show. I, I mean... Wish there was a class on that, right? Wouldn't that be great if there was just a class on like how do you get along with well, people? It's funny you, you say that because I've listened to a couple of your podcasts and things come back to me when I, when I focus on it. I'm all about networking. Yeah, and I know you, you are. You are. You've been one of the lead networking guys due to the fact that you built social networks before they were really coined that term. Right. Which I, I kowtow to you. I was all about making sure that there were connections in this community due to the fact that I wanted to improve the overall, if you would, economic sure. opportunity of the, of the community. So yeah. I'm busy making these nodes connect, yeah. making introductions, et cetera. So from that perspective, I'm, I'm super focused on those relationships. It's interesting because you talk to somebody in Boston or New York, Chicago, they have no idea or they have no experience when they get to a place like Santa Barbara, Southern California, in terms of the connectivity. People willing right. to open up their Rolodex and make those introductions and say, hey, you'd be a great person to talk to so-and-so. And what's interesting listening to that is that you just did this as a citizen. You didn't do this because it was ostensibly maybe there's a dotted line to the business, but as a citizen, you figured this was something you could do to improve the community. And I think that's what's interesting in any community is that when people do step up, like what do, what superpower do I have right. that I can employ uh, to help the community uh, purely selfless? Now I'm going to I'm going to give you some feedback because you there's an example of what you did. Uh, a noted entrepreneur moved to Santa Barbara. He poked around a little bit. He's a great networker. He found you. You found. You said you need to talk to him. It was Trip Hawkins, mm. and Trip has been on the show. Trip now was a, a adjunct professor out at, at UCSB, mm. and um, we've we've gone on to have subsequent fantastic conversations. Mm -hmm. And but it was that here's here are the people you need to know. Here are the nodes, right, exactly. in that network. And then how to then and then there's what I love is um, that you can Google this listener. Um, Alan, go go Google it right now. Um, strong ties versus weak ties. Mm. Right? So it, f frequently it's the weak ties that we don't always pay attention to mm. are the ones that are going to be consequential to us. No question. Right? Which right. is which is interesting. I want to I want to vector, well, let's stay on networking for just a second. There has been a rise in the last 10 years uh, in entrepreneurs and startups and all of the ecosystem around mm -hmm. that. So, you know, meetup.com, mm -hmm. uh, the plethora of uh, workspaces, mm -hmm. co-working right. spaces. Um, you know, we've we've got all of them, and we've, everybody's been on the show. And we've had them all because <laughs> it was interesting. They all didn't, it, when we started with 805 Connect, they all didn't know one another. Mm -hmm. And I, I said, hold it. 
you're all in the same business and you're not competitive because there's a geocentricity to those. I need to be close to that thing. So, you know, uh, you've done Hub 101, you've done the hothouse, you've done done impact, impact you know, all all and they don't have to, you know, but but that's interesting. And you're at all of those mixers and you're looking at all of these. But what's interesting is you're you don't fund these startups. They kind of already got to be going. And in between, as you said, it's not even point A and B. It's kind of more like C and D, E and F, right? Right. You nailed it. We like to see companies that have some kind of revenue. Usually it's two You're to... You're a bank. For the lack of a better term. We're, right? we're, ta- yeah, we're taking a little bit more risk than the banks are, but right? we're underwriting the credit much like a bank would. So what we got to do is we got to see what is our repayment source, A, number one. Right. When I go to my investors, because I have to raise money, I have to say, number one, it's, it's, we, we have to preserve their capital. Right. So that's A, number one. Yep. Then we have to make money on their capital and be able to provide a return for that capital. That's complete, wholly separate from what the venture capitalists do. They, they make bets. They roll the dice. They yep. you know, get, get in deep, roll up their shirt sleeves, but they're buying equity. And if the company flames out, they usually end up with zero, sometimes less than zero. Um, on our end, if there's a challenge with the company, we usually work with that company and we, to get our capital back. Bottom line, we want to preserve that capital to live to fight another day. We take that capital, we redeploy it. Right. When we get a loan repaid, we turn around and redeploy it again. So over a eight or ten year life of a fund, we can make nine or let's call it six or seven different loans with that same dollar so we can raise oh, right, right, we can right, raise right. a very small amount of, huh. of capital huh. raise a 10 million dollar fund and do yeah. 60 or 70 million dollars worth of financings and so a hundred million dollar venture fund usually with their 80 20 to two and 20 kind of breakdown uh only about 80 80 million gets invested so we're on a $10 million debt fund, we almost look like a $100 million venture okay, fund. That's interesting. I was just thinking that, um, you know, they say uh, that VCs, you know, when, I, when I'm talking, I'm a, I, good or bad, I'm at a point in life where the young entrepreneurs ask me for advice on stuff. Mm-hmm. And I said, hold it. I don't, let's, don't do that. Um, but one don't of the things I heard advice or don't do what you were going to do. No, well, no, I don't know that I'm I'm the guy you want to go to for advice. Uh, but I do know that I've heard they you don't bet on the horse, you bet on the jockey, and a VC Absolutely. is going to go look at the the operators. But I I have a sense that you're betting on the horse <laughs> because there's there's got to be that proven track record, mm-hmm. and it's not you know is that entrepreneur a force of nature are they going to um in i'm going to use my ted background now to to say that that ted talk has to uh paint a picture of a new reality Mm. like what Mm -hmm. happens if this thing i'm talking about this idea were to manifest itself what's that new reality look like and then what's your role in that new reality Mm -hmm. that's kind of the same as if i'm pitching to get money Mm -hmm. right I have an idea. Right. I'm at, you know, maybe I'm pitching angel money and I have, there's this new reality. Everybody's going to share pictures or everybody's going to do whatever that thing is. Mm-hmm. They're going to order cabs on mm-hmm. their phone mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, and 
I, I need to bet on that person. Do I think they've got what it takes to make that thing come true? Do they have the sense of character and certainty and commitment and all that stuff you're looking at? With you, it's, you know, is there cash flow? Do they have accounts receivable? Is there, you know, upside? All of that. Right, right. right. So we look at the holistic approach. Number one is, is there a business? Uh, Will the dogs eat the dog food and are they willing to pay for it? <laughs> um, are they building a $12,000 ashtray and no one's going to use it? Right. Or are they building a, an app that everyone's going to start hailing cabs with? Mm-hmm. Um, what would the, num- the second thing? So is there a business? What's is there a business? Two? Who's running that business? We, we are all about, you, Mark, you never invest in technology. You invest in people, yep. as you, you know better than I. The bottom line is, who are these people? Who are they surrounded by? Who's their board of directors? Who's their strategic partners? Who have they identified as their banker, their attorney, their accountant? Who have they circled themselves with? What does their ecosystem look like? So really want to do a deep dive on kind of who the the players are that are surrounding the company. And then number three, how do we get repaid? So what is our takeout is the kind of the term of art is there, you know, first this, then this, then a miracle happens and then you, you get repaid? Or is it, you know, there's, there are lines. Hope is not a strategy. <laughs> Thank you. There's a line and then there's a couple of dots that follow the trajectory of that line. And you can say, wow, okay, that's where you need to get to and we can get you there. I'm, I'm fascinated right currently with what I'm calling high stakes communications. Mm. I've been trying to figure out how to describe what what I do um, and what we do, uh, Kimberly, you know, my right. wife and, and partner in several of the businesses. And when you're doing a TED Talk, and this, this word came to me just recently interviewing one of our speakers who has gone from August onto now doing keynotes at multi-billion dollar companies wow. based on the TED Talk that huh. he did. Um, and he said, Mark, it, uh, that was a high stake talk. I got one shot to get on the red circle. Mm. And my idea had to be crystal clear, on. the call to action, all the things that Kimberly teaches, mm. you know, got him, and he was a speaker before, mm-hmm. but you know, the TED Talk's a little different. No question. And what's been happening with my clients since then is, that when you do get that opportunity to sit in front of either a customer or a potential investor, someone has burned a lot of calories to make that meeting happen. That's a high stakes meeting that I don't know that the, the, the entrepreneur recognizes the high stakes. So I'm, I'm gonna go pitch them and I've got my deck and I've done my thing. And you know we've been to these pitch fests, we've done all that, but I started just recently likening that 12 minute talk to a TED talk. Mm. And how is it different? How is it similar? I think it's more similar than it's different in mm. that it, it's high stakes. What's your idea worth spreading? Right. Uh, what's what's that uh, through line? Mm-hmm. What's the new reality? Are you clearly doing that? With a, Our particular format is that you start with a story because I want the people to fall in love with you mm. and not take their eyes off you mm-hmm. and get to see themselves in you and be very vulnerable about telling that story. Right. Well, 
what about that is not how I want to be pitched as a, a potential funder? Right. Would From you an agree? From standpoint, absolutely. Right. And, and so I've lately been, as people want to hire me, I'll say, well, I think we need to start at your strategic communications. Mm. Like, how do you present yourself? Mm. When you show up and someone asks you, what do you do? It's, I don't think it's an uh, elevator pitch. It's not an Uber pitch. It's like, what's your one true sentence? Mm. Well, is it what you do or is it who you are? And I think that might be the separator there. Um, the, the true entrepreneur, it's, that, that, it's a very gray area from what they are or who they are to what they're doing because they're so passionate and they're so 100% right. into what they're doing. Yep. Um, but I, I look at what you do with TED Talks in terms of there, there's got to be a, um, a format by which it sells, it's successful. You've seen it time and time again. Um, I've, I've enjoyed many of them. Um, I look at the kind of the ultimate of the, the pitch deck and it's Guy Kawasaki. It's right, 10, 10 20, 20, 30. 30. Yeah. So to explain I, to our listener who, <laughs> who may not know what right. that is. Right. So Guy Kawasaki, go Google him. He's the uh, garage.com uh, founder. Um, 10, 20, 30. So 10 slides. So you have to be able to succinctly tell your story in 10 slides. Yep. 20 is 20 minutes. You have very little time yep. from start to finish to tell that story. So usually yep. it's about two minutes a slide. Yep. And what you want to do is be able to start to finish in 20 minutes. Yep. You might take a minute on one slide. might take three minutes on the next. So on average, two minutes a slide. 30 is 30-point 30 font. You yep. want to make sure that your audience can read what it is that you're presenting. So you've got to be able to walk into a, a meeting you got pleasantries, okay, you got an investor. You, you figure the meeting's going to take about 50 minutes, maybe an hour if you're lucky. So there's pleasantries, five minutes, 10 minutes of, hi, how are you doing? Then you launch into the pitch. You've got 20 minutes to present your case, your thesis, your business model. And then you've got 20 minutes, maybe, of give and take, Q&A. At the end of that, then there's more pleasantries or it's, have a nice day, I'm not interested. So at that point, what you need to do is you need to be able to break your value proposition down in 10 slides and it's very very succinct so it's a challenge to the entrepreneur to be able to narrow that elevator pitch again the whole elevator pitch of get on the elevator and you're talking to somebody you got 30 seconds to tell them what you're doing in order to get their attention so oftentimes it's you're not giving the whole entire story of the opportunity you're just giving them enough information to put this the hook in their cheek and Get them. Get, get them another online. meeting. Exactly. So I, I heard someone say uh, they, it's now the Uber pitch. Hmm. It's because I found a guy and he says, "Okay, I'll talk to you until the Uber gets here." <laughs> I like that. Right. Okay. It's the Uber right, pitch. Right. Right. It, it's what's interesting uh, about that guy Kawasaki model because um, I've I've studied that a lot. It reminded me of Pecha Kucha. Have you heard of Pecha Kucha? No, I have not. So Pet is P-E-C-H-A. I'll put a link in the show notes. Mm -hmm. uh, Pecha Kucha is a Japanese style of presentation where you have um, you have 20 seconds a slide and you have 20 slides. Hmm. And so it's, it turns out to be six minutes and 40 seconds. Okay. And the it is staggering how challenging that is. There's Pecha Kucha Night, 
on Wednesdays in uh, once a month on Wednesdays in Santa Barbara. There's a Pecha Kucha really? fun. Oh, it's oh, it's a thing. Great. It's huh. a thing. I gotta uh, check it out. Uh, because it, if again, I, I like the compressed format mm -hmm. because we're distilling, we're getting all the fluff out, right. get down to the idea, and I think that at least in my conversations with people, we ask them what's what's the core idea. Mm -hmm. Man, it, that's like, why is that a hard question? Dude, why is that hard, right? right? right. And, it, and it is, because mm -hmm. they, they're dancing all around it. And I mm -hmm. think, so that's where we, we, I think we can help people, like like you, listener, right now, what's, you know. And Simon Sinek says they don't buy what you do, they buy why you do why it. You're doing it. Mm -hmm. And that's why that story at the beginning, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. here's my why. Right, you gotta lock in that. That I need member, to be emotionally be, connected. Right, you got to tug on their heartstrings a little bit. Right, right. And and I think that um, I think there's a lot of upside for that kind of high stakes communication mm -hmm. coaching, right. because um, I just don't think people have, have thought about that. And so I'm just curious if someone pitched you that way, because that's a novel approach. Well, Unique. How would you do? I'd probably be feeling like I'm drinking from a fire hose, and I'd why is that? They're, they oftentimes when someone's presenting, yeah, it's a, a a nervous twitch of trying to go too fast and trying to yes. yeah. speak too yep. quickly to get because yep. you've got so much to tell and you yep. literally if you've got twenty minutes and you got to tell the whole story, you know, it's a very short period of time. So I, I'm looking at that Pechacucha presentation model and think, wow, they're trying to cover almost too much in a short period of time. But again, if you're limited. If you've got six minutes, you're going to get all the information. It sounds like you're going to get all the information you need. So riddle me this. I think what happens is we try to communicate too much. Mm -hmm. And if, if in fact, we do this exercise where um, uh, it's called signature story. Mm -hmm. And we figure out, like, what was that story? What was that, like, tell me that thing where everything changed for you. Mm -hmm. There was a moment in your life where it all changed. And you know, I'm looking at your face. Yeah. There was a moment. Yeah. And if I asked you to tell me that story in five minutes and I paired you up right. and you told it, okay, now I switch partners, now tell the same story in three minutes, mm. now tell the same story in two minutes, mm -hmm. now tell the same story in a minute, and then get in front of the group and tell the story in one sentence. <laughs> what becomes important is the core thing. Mm -hmm. And as it turns out, all that other stuff wasn't important. You're, the distillation process. Right. You're distilling it down to the right. uh, element. Like what's, right. and, and we mm -hmm. don't, I think we don't do that in our businesses mm -hmm. enough. We don't do that in our communications right. enough. And you point out that if you do it five times in a row and you're limited each time in time, you distill it to its core essence right. versus you still have all these things that you can wave your hands with and you can kind of give it that fluffy, comfortable. Well, discussion. you can unpack it because like mm, once you just mm -hmm. add water, add time. Right, right. Right. And and when you said you, you would be worried you're drinking from a fire hose, you know, the coaching to an entrepreneur, you're listening, aren't you, entrepreneur? Mm -hmm. um, just say this to yourself right before you walk into the meeting. I have time. Slow yourself. Just Take saying a deep it. deep breath. Absolutely. I have time. Right. I'm building a potential long-term relationship mm -hmm. with these people. Mm -hmm. 
I want them to be partners with my fiscal partners right. with me. Bottom line. I want them around. I want them to, we're going to work together. Mm -hmm. And so I want them and through on my thick team. And, thin. and they want yeah. me to win. Mm -hmm. They're there right? to support you, right? They, I mean, you, when it's not an adversarial relationship when someone walks in asking you for money. Not in the least, no. Right? It's, it's cooperative. It's right? You want it. It's like, hey, Absolutely. dude, I want to help you. I'm looking for a good deal. I mean, there's something in it for you, but right. there's a way for you to help. Mm -hmm. You're right. What advice would you give to, um, I'm, I'm thinking of that 20-something, uh, of that brilliant idea. Um, what's the first thing that they say, Joe, I got this great idea. And you've done this to me, mm -hmm. so I'm not going to spill the beans. But mm -hmm. I mean, I've sat, we've sat down over the yeah. years yeah. And, and you'll say, it. I mean, you, you, you said it earlier, you know, is there a business, right? Bottom line. Do you have mm -hmm. a, so, so with that young entrepreneur who's hasn't failed yet, or they, and you know, they feels like they have everything going for them. What's the three things that they could check to say, yeah, I, there is a business here. What, mm -hmm. what would you have them look at? So how big is your market? Again, you, you talked about total addressable market earlier. Yep. How big is that market? Are you, again, making $12,000 ashtrays where there might be five people who want to buy them? Right. Or are you building an app that 50 million people are going to use? What, but what happens when someone comes and says, oh, there's a billion dollar market, Jeff? <laughs> yeah. Big, big markets aren't, but again, I guess I'll take a step back, Mark. Not every entrepreneur, not every company should raise outside capital. Uh -huh. You had a gentleman uh -huh. on a couple of times ago, uh, Jim Semick. Uh, yes. Product plan, good yeah. friend. Uh, he and his partner from the onset decided they were not going to take venture capital. Okay. And they bootstrapped the company. Yep. Um, it's not as though that company couldn't use venture capital and excel incredibly fast and grow and throw lots of money at lots of entrepreneurs or lot, lots of engineers and grow very, very quickly. They made a cognitive decision to mm -hmm, do that. Mm -hmm. There's other businesses that are less inclined to grow like that, where basically you add fuel to the fire and the, and the company Whoa, grows. Right. Um, or companies that don't scale properly. Services businesses, for example, in order to grow, you need more people, more people, more right, people. Right, right, right. With a software company, you know this better than I, you build that software, you build it once, sell it many times. Love it. So from that's a scalable business. So yeah. there's a number of entrepreneurs. You, you need to understand what it is that your business is and does it fit within the, if you would, that model of outside capital. Do you really need that capital? I Most of the time that I talk to entrepreneurs, I tell them, Try your best not to take outside capital. So is that number two? Uh, do I, you really need extra money? You, yeah. What is the business? What is the baseline business? And, and does it really need the, the best? So does it need capital? The best entrepreneurs I've ever met are ones that started a business, started a service. So they started a services business. Usually it's some kind of consulting business. Right. They have someone pay them to come up with a solution to their customer's problem. And then that entrepreneur turns around and turns it into a product. They were paid to make that product. And then they turn around and they sell it multiple times and grow like a weed. I'm right in the middle of that dream right now. Mm, bingo. Right? That's exactly Absolutely. That. Yeah. And so the, the ideal scenario would be that someone 
this entrepreneur sees a problem, sees an issue, and then can go to a prospective client, customer, yep. Yep. and say, I can, I can fix that for you. Yep. All it's going to take is X dollars, and we'll do that for you. And then is there a way to package that or to productize that and be able to grow it? Stay on that for a second. So Bob's gotten hired to go in and lead a team, and they solve this problem. And Bob learns mm -hmm. a lot from that. And Bob, mm -hmm. Bob's gone. He's right. out. And that customer goes on. He goes, huh, that was pretty clever. Where is, does IP, intellectual property, come in on that? <laughs> it all depends on how Bob did his uh, work with the company from the onset. So usually there's a contract between Bob and the, the client or the customer. Right. And in that contract, there's usually some kind of clause that says anything built for us it was retained by us. Or there's some kind of negotiated capability whereby Bob can say, you can use it for your vertical, for your marketplace and your marketplace only, and I get the rights to everywhere else that I can apply that knowledge, that right. IP to. And so I can go exploit it somewhere else versus you can have it for your specific vertical. Do you think uh, consultants or young entrepreneurs are savvy enough on that contract negotiation? No. <laughs> and that's why you have good attorneys, and, and we've got plenty of really good ones around town, that's for sure. That and was uh, in, the, in the early days of, of uh, our, all mm. of our companies right. you know, getting, getting good outside counsel. I remember asking, uh, asking someone, we'll keep all the names out of it, um, I said, look, I need a lawyer, I need a business lawyer. And he, he, said, it was, he said this, do you want a shark? Or do you want someone who's got your back? Mm -hmm. I didn't know those were mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and you know all these people. Yeah. Um, and I said, I want someone who's got my back. Mm -hmm. and, uh, that, and that was the right, exact right well, decision. You bring up a really good point. Any, you know, there's times when entrepreneurs will come to me and say, hey, I need an attorney. When and you I'll, know everybody. Well, I'll give them th the name of three or four. Yeah. And I'll say, interview them. Yeah. But make sure that you understand that when you're going to talk to these people, you're going to be talking to them in good times and bad. And so right. if, there's, if there's someone who you're uncomfortable with talking to or uncomfortable with picking up the phone and you know, telling the story or explaining the challenge, um, you probably don't want them as your attorney. What you want to do is you want to build that relationship and it all goes back to the It goes back to relationships, right? Exactly. Right. It's, you know, it's, what's interesting is it's, everything's different and everything's the, the same. same, right? Uh, when I was a chef, uh, you know, some, uh, uh, the baker would come up and say, oh, I've got this new cookie. Oh, I've got this new, I said, yay, applaud the innovation. Right. I don't care what it is. As long as it tastes like a chocolate chip cookie, we're going to be fine. And as long as the soup tastes like, it makes me feel like chicken soup, mm -hmm. we're going to be fine. I don't care what you do. Go off the reservation as much as you want, but the people have expectations, right? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. What's the biggest surprise over the last 17 years in, in running agility? That's a really good question, Mark. Um, how, how quickly, let's say, how quickly our market has changed. So in the year 2000 or 1997, when I started in the industry, there was a handful of lenders that did what we do. Uh, that market has changed radically. Mm. It's gone from, um, the, there's even the term venture debt. Uh, you can go oh. Google it and yeah. go dig into it. There's various forms of venture debt. Um, but the, 
now how that has morphed, how it has uh, changed over time, we're seeing this in algorithmic lending. So literally... What is algorithmic lending? You go online, you fill out a form, they do a quick and dirty back and background is check. Is that rocket loans? A lot, there you go. So, you know, there's, there's a, a dozen of them. Really? Where they will look at the business, they'll look at the business, uh, how often it's the credit card It's all data-driven, no human. All, exactly. And lo and behold, your bank account will have $50,000 in it the next day. Things like that will are, are going down, which literally scale, scare the living daylights out of me because I'm sick, sitting here thinking, am I, am I a dinosaur? Mm, am I ready mm, to be, mm, you know, mm. kind of plowed under due to the fact that I am a, as you point out, a relationship lender. Right. I'm looking at, I need to understand my, the kind of the aspirations and the goals of my borrower due to the fact that I want to see them succeed because that means then we benefit by that. So my concern is that we're going towards this, everything, you know, software is going to eat the world, Mark Andreessen. Where are we going with this? Um, and so I'm, my, my scare tactic or the thing that gets me every day is, you know, am, am I behind the eight ball and I'm not innovating fast enough or along with the rest of them? I've seen a couple of these algorithmic lenders burn out, you know, flame out. They're done. They raised 50 million, 75 million, and the next thing you know, they're not lending anymore. So there's something to be said about hand curated loans, at least in my oh, business. I like that. Hand cured, I'm going to use, I love that. I, I, that's maybe the, sh the show title. Hmm. Hand curated loans. Maybe <laughs> not. I don't know. I love, I, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I love handmade. I love craft made. I'm a maker. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm a, still a chef. Right. I'm inventing things. Right. I, I love making stuff. Mm -hmm. Hand curated loans. Mm -hmm. Is that a thing? I mean, uh, or is it, did you just make that up? I, I do it for a living. You know, I, I, I meet with people. I understand their business. I get, my, get my hands dirty with understanding who their customers are and why people are excited about the product. How fun is that? Mark, it's, I, right? I'm the luckiest guy in the world. Oh my gosh! I am. I, I every day I speak to people who think, and sometimes they do change the world. They think they're going to do it, and they execute on something, and it's it's phenomenal. I've had the the luck and the luxury of having so many different opportunities presented to me, and I've passed on oh, <laughs> yeah, really yeah, sure, interesting sure, sure, sure. stuff. Right. But from right. that perspective, um, I get to I get to sit. You know, at least across the table from someone who has the ability or has the interest in doing something really potentially radical. I want to um, get an email from you mm -hmm. with some of those hidden gems Great. that are here that might have a TED Talk in them. Ah, very good. For TED Santa Barbara uh, right. coming up, you know, later very this year. Uh -huh. um, I because uh, this year I'm actually going out to our network and looking for, I would call them a reluctant speaker. Hmm. It's not someone who's, um, oh, I gotta get on the TED stage because I have some agenda, but it's right. someone who's like, oh no, I'm too busy to do that. No, mm -hmm. you're, no, hold it. The, your idea, and what you said was, you were a part of helping someone change the world. Mm -hmm. I wanna meet people who are changing the world. Mm -hmm for mm -hmm. this show, for all for, the stuff. That, right. I just like hanging out with those kind yeah, of people, it's, right? It's phenomenal. It's yeah. Jeff, thanks for being on the show. Mark, this I has appreciate. been great. And we totally have such great it. conversations, and right. we finally recorded it's, one of them, and we could share it with people. A lot of people know you. They're going to love getting to know uh, more about you. 
And uh, I'm also going to thank California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services and our podcasting partner, Polestring Press. If you're interested in partnering with the podcast, just drop us a note to partner at 805connect.com. And people can find you at agilitycapital.com? No. So that was taken when we first started the company. So it's agilitycap. Agilitycap.com. Beautiful. Yeah, I love easy. that. And uh, listener, right now, if you've stayed to the very end, and I, and I know who you are because I can see the stats, so don't think you're hiding from me, um, go and rate, write a review uh, on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play, wherever you are. That makes a huge difference in other people finding the show. And then as you're a frequent listener, you know uh, the fun thing to do, take someone's phone right now. If you're listening, grab their phone, find the podcast app and subscribe them to it. And they'll, you know what, they'll send you a little thank you note and they'll say, hey, that was really great. So um, I, I would love to hear from you as well. If you've got ideas for guests, um, that's why we have a four month backlog of shows because you're all writing and giving, introducing me to people I just never would have met and now they're in our circle and I, I thank you for that. So uh, thank you so, so very much for that. Just drop me a note to mark at 805connect.com. So until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations.